cafeteria at Ridgemont High, it's the IGN Digigods. So take off your thinking caps and please welcome two postmen who always ring twice, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. Uh, another vintage opening from 2008, a whopping three years ago. You still have time. Send in those new intros. Send them to gods at digigods.com, gods at digigods.com. We still got a little while. Still taking submissions for introductions from listeners. Wait, I'm full. You're full of what? I'm full of free food. Uh, why I, I, I didn't tell you about my, my evening tonight. No, you didn't. This is what it's like. What? When it becomes awards time. Oh, that's right. It's awards time. We're all about the so, free food and the, and the receptions. I, I was invited to the same reception. I elected not to go. Wait, you were invited to the Blu-ray release of A Better Life? You went to that, too? Hell, yeah. You serious? Hell, yeah. It's free what, food. You, you daisy-chained receptions? Hell, yeah. It's like, like being at Cannes. Hell, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, here's the thing. You that, know, that's like at Cannes. It's like, oh, I, got, I got one at 4, and then I got one at 5, and then it's screening at 6, and then I'm out at 8, and just in time for a party at 9. Well, I, I get a call from uh, a publicist about yeah. two weeks ago. He says... We're doing the DVD Blu-ray release party for A Better Life. I, I, I did get the invite to that, too, but I ignored it. The Chris Wise film. Yeah. And, and he says, it's at the Four Seasons. Now, if it's at the Four Seasons, that means that you're getting food that was Pretty prepared good food. at the Four Seasons. Which is good food. And that's good food. Yeah. So I'm thinking to myself, hang on for a second. When is this party? He says it's from 6 to 8. I go, this is perfect. I go to this party. <coughs> from, are you okay over there? Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm fine. I go, I go from the, uh, I go to this party from six to seven. <coughs> would you like me to slap? Would you like me to hit you so, on the back? It's okay. No, it's I fine. will. I know you will. Uh, I go to this party and eat everything I can from six to seven. Then I jet over to the Academy Theater, the best theater in town, the best room in town, and I see uh, a Dangerous Method, the new Cronenberg film. And the reason I'm going to that is because after that is another reception. Uh-huh. So I've got the six to seven reception for a Better Life uh, Blu-ray release They party. call that a smorgasbord. And then I've got the A Dangerous <clears throat> Method reception after that. So that's where I was. Well, I didn't have any receptions, but I saw Anonymous. Uh, yes, you did. And, uh, and as, I have, as I told you earlier, I, uh, I, I may not, I, I don't believe that someone else wrote Shakespeare's plays. But I sure as hell believe somebody else directed this movie, because uh, so there's no aliens. There's no there's no aliens. There's no uh, no dinosaurs. No cavemen. No Godzilla. No sci-fi. No none of the thing. Honestly, I, I sat there watching this, and there are moments where I was I was I was tearing up, and the performances and the drama was getting to me, and I just thought there's just no conceivable way Roland Emmerich had anything to do with this. It's, so just, it's just not happening. So you're saying that nowhere in the film did uh, Shakespeare no. Punch an alien and say, welcome to Earth. That <laughs> no. didn't happen? You know what? It, honestly, I was watching this and I was thinking, if he's had this in him from the beginning, why hasn't, why? Where has this guy been? I mean, truly. Where, it, it really is like life imitating art. I mean, the whole bit in the movie when Shakespeare, who was portrayed as this kind of illiterate, just dumbass, uh, suddenly these plays are being attributed to him and you just go, I'm sorry, but you, that's not even remotely within the realm of possibility that that guy could write those plays. And I'm thinking that's, that's how I feel about uh, Roland Emmerich. I just, where did this come from? Where did this come from? It's you know amazing. what? If the film makes enough money, or at least he gets enough huzzas for it, yeah. he may make another film like this. It may I, inspire I, I, him. Let's hope. We can only hope. Uh, well, anyway, that being said, we should uh, jump into some DVD-age. Uh, you know what? The movie that we did a little giveaway of, and according to the publicist, these are still on their way. If our uh, giveaway winners have not yet received their Craig Ferguson DVD, they are allegedly on the way still. Uh, but we finally got ours and got a, got a glance at it. Does this need to be said? Craig Ferguson, the full concert experience, extended and uncensored. Not that there's all that much about Craig Ferguson that's really all that terribly blue. Uh, but you know what? I still really like the guy. We talked about this uh, like, like a week or two ago about his whole change, uh, the way he changed late night and his very minimalist approach, no band, his uh, unusual monologues. And uh, you know what? Craig Ferguson, he's the man. I like the guy. It's terrific. Uh, it's about an hour long and uh, nothing here that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Uh, 
but it's you know it's Craig Ferguson. What are you going to do? It's it's a lot of fun. Does not disappoint, right? You know, the last time I watched uh, his show hmm. on an air, on an airplane, really? Well, they had Directv on the plane, so I watched Craig Ferguson. If I were going to start a cable network, I'd call it Indirect TV. That's what I'd do. I'm telling you. Indirect TV. That's great. That's great. Uh, a couple other little docs here we're going to make a mention of real quickly. Oh, and we have some uh, audio audio dealies. We have audio listener audio mail. Audio listener mail that we're going to include. We'd love that. Uh, so thank you. An email out to godsdigigods.com as well. We'll, we'll put you on the show. Uh, the captains. The captains, Mark. That's it? That's all you have to say about it? Yes. Well, this... <laughs> you know, William Shatner, I feel so bad for him because he made Star Trek V, which I still think is a good film. And uh, that got so maligned that people just ripped on him and he's never he hasn't had a chance to direct a movie since. And that's really unfortunate because he's now like 80 years old and he's probably beyond... Although he looks great at 80. He's sharp and he looks good. Well, you know why? Because here's the thing. He's it, corpulent. It's all about the, the... It's all about the hair. Yeah. Because... The hair is just short enough and just gray enough where he doesn't he, you you think maybe he can pass for a guy who's incredibly robust for his age. Yeah. Cuz if his hair was just all straggly and all Kurt Douglas out and just just gray and falling out and lame, he would look old. Yeah. But he did good with the toupee. The toupee has actually gotten better as he's gotten older. Yes. But this is all about Shatner sitting down with all the uh, captains of the Enterprise. Every single person that has played a captain, not just of the Enterprise, but everyone who has ever played the captain, who has ever anchored uh, the captain's role of a Star Trek movie or series. Even Kate Mulgrew? You bet. Even Kate Mulgrew. Uh, William Shatner, Patrick Stewart, Avery Brooks, Scott Bakula, Kate Mulgrew, and Chris Pine. That's right. The one and only Chris Pine. I like that, though. That's cool. Because, yep. you know, it, it gives it some juice for the kids to be interested. It does. It does. And you know what? I mean, it's all it's all just sort of uh, a little bit about sort of – because he's the original captain. So he obviously gets to springboard and uh, kind of present himself as the elder statesman of this group. And uh, he has a lot of fun with it. It's it's fine. You know, there was a, uh, there was a doc that he did with uh, Leonard Nimoy some years ago where the, basically just the two of them sitting around BSing. And it's kind of the same deal. Um you realize who wrote the music for this? Avery Brooks, who Did played really? the captain of uh, DS9, yes. is like a jazz... Deep Six Nine. Whatever it's called. Yeah. Is like a jazz musician. Uh, well, and he wrote that? the music for I this. I didn't even pay That's attention. That's pretty good. That was very nice. Yeah, so, I mean, it's fine. It's, it's uh, you know, strictly for Star Trek fans kind of thing. But uh, I actually saw Chris Pine the other day. Did I mention that? Uh, you did not. Where did you see Chris Pine? I saw Chris Pine at um, Fred Siegel in Santa Monica. Yeah. I'm surprised that Chris Pine. Uh, he ain't that big. I was surprised. He was. He's a uh, Tom Cruise sized. Yeah, we were. I'm we sur- were all. We were. We were all there at the sale weekend together. Uh, I'm surprised that he would uh, be in this. Yeah, well, why not? And Patrick Stewart also. I'm surprised he'd be in. Yeah, because Pat- the thing with Patrick Stewart is that he's kind of a distinguished actor. In well, his look, way. they have to because if if one of them is not in it, the whole the whole thing's kaput. You don't. This movie doesn't exist. It's not like well, the captains except for they get Mister Too Important to be in the movie with everybody else. <laughs> That's, Mrs. Yeah. Kate Ladida Mulgrew. Yeah, you had to get everybody to agree to be in before even doing it. And then we also have an interesting film here from uh, Angela Ismailos called Great Directors. And uh, oddly enough, this is all the same people that are in The Captains. It's uh, Patrick Stewart and uh, William Shatner. And Avery and Brooks wrote the Avery Brooks score. wrote the music. It's just bizarre. I don't know how that happened. No. Uh, great Directors is, uh, is a film basically in which ten allegedly great directors uh, just talk about their craft. And uh, I, the you know, the only problem that I have with this is that it's just a real bit of a hodgepodge of people. And I think, you know, you could have gotten 10 better directors. I mean, there's a few of these that are great. Uh, Bertolucci, for sure. Stephen Frears. I mean, here, here's who belongs in this movie. Bernardo Bertolucci, Stephen Frears, David Lynch, John Sayles, Ken Loach, and yes, Varda. Here's who does not belong in this movie. Uh, Catherine Brea, the French director who just makes softcore porn and then calls it art. Uh, Richard Linklater, sorry, I'd I, I like him, but you know what? School of Rock and Dazed and Confused do not qualify you to be in the company of David Lynch and Bertolucci. Todd Haynes, yeah, he's got his thing, but you know, again, not not great. And uh, Liliana Cavani, who you know, she's fine, but not brilliant. So What's I funny mean, is that all all these guys pretty much have the same influences, no matter who, whether they're young or old. It's all about 
Bergman and Fellini and Hitchcock and Kubrick, they all have yeah. the same influences. Yeah. And I found that kind of interesting. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, it's it's per, it's okay. It's uh, it's got strong moments. It's got some weak moments. Lynch's stuff is terrific, absolutely terrific. And Bergman's or uh, 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 Bertolucci's stuff is terrific. But um, you know, whatever. It's it's fine. Uh, it's it's. It, I just wish there was more that it. it I wish it held together a little better. We should hold together a little better. Um, Mark, you know, we've got uh, a bit of a Kevin Smith uh, week this week. Yes, the uh, controversial Red State is now on uh, Blu-ray. Now, Wade, I know what you're saying. You're saying, uh, why is Red State controversial? Oh, I know why it's controversial. It's controversial because uh, we hate Kevin Smith. Well, you know, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a dog and pony show. I mean, first of all, there are three Kevin Smith titles this week. I mean, he's really glutting the thing up. But Red State is what it's all kind of built around, and it's all pushing Red State. And uh, for those that don't know, Red State is about um, Fred Phelps. Well, it's loosely based on. Here's the thing: it's loosely based on Fred Phelps and that crazy inbred, wacky bunch of uh, family members of his who constitute the um, Westboro Baptist Church out of Kansas, and uh, these are the people who, of course, picketed the uh, funerals of uh, dead soldiers, saying that it's, you know, God punishing America for for homosexuality, and uh, your children deserve to die, and everybody thinks these people are completely out of their minds. And um, And by the way, the idea that Kevin Smith would take on this group, somehow on paper, is really, really interesting. It is interesting. It makes you laugh, but then you realize he's Kevin Smith. And he's just going to do what he always does. Yes, and it's not. It's going to be bloated and juvenile. Well, and, and it's not. But it's not. It's not a. It's not a funny film. You know, it's like a horror film. So it, it's like kind of a change of pace for him. And I, he made a big, uh, a big to do. This is him kind of taking them on in, in a really dark, cynical, satirical, almost horror film sort of way. And uh, you know what? It's got some interesting performances in it. It's it's, it's a little over the top, but not a brilliant film or, it, it's or anything. It's certainly not a particularly interesting no. uh, co- uh, commentary on that. I, I would frankly recommend the documentary on, on Phelps and his brood of some years ago, which is much more interesting because he has, you know, it's the real deal. And the movie is also controversial because it, it, it played at Sundance, uh, mixed, mixed mainly negative, and Smith decided to have a, um, he decided to auction off the rights to yes. the film. So he has a distributor screening. At Sundance. At Sundance. Yeah. All the distributors come. They all presumably see the movie. They presumably love the movie. And an auction starts and a bidding war starts and Kevin Smith is a rich man. Well, it turns out that rumor has it. Yeah. Before this distributor screening even began, Smith had already already decided to self-distribute the film. Yes. So the whole distributor screening at Sundance big publicity was stunt. a big dog and pony show. Yeah. And that really pissed a lot of people off. So Smith decided to just pretty much four wall it, I yep. guess. For, it, was, it was a big PR stunt. Yeah, yeah. That did not uh, that did not garner him any friends. Nope, not at all. Well, anyway, um, Melissa, I, but I, I I don't know. I, I just wish Kevin Smith would be the Kevin Smith I want him to be. Just a little smarter, I know. and a little more disciplined, and just not just a. It's it's big it's funny. Guy. He calls this an unlikely film from that Kevin Smith. Um, Melissa well, Leo. That Kevin Smith is his yeah. Uh, Twitter handle. Yeah. Uh, Melissa Leo is very good in it. John Goodman is, grows on you eventually. Um, oh, he grows all right. They've, well, that, that big Sundance speech uh, is actually here uh, on this. There are deleted scenes and uh, all kinds. There's Kevin Smith all over this, by the way. Um, the uh, There's a little making of uh, documentary deal, and, um, you know, it's. It's a it's a good sales pitch. I, I guess better a rental than anything else. But you know what I prefer, Mark? Mark, I prefer Too Fat for Forty, which is uh, our second of three Kevin Smith titles this week, and uh, it's just Kevin Smith doing what I think he does the best, which is not making movies, but just standing on a stage and talking and being enormously entertaining. And this was uh, filmed at the Count Basie Theater in his hometown of Red Bank, New Jersey, and it is just two hours of him. Uh, really being an amazing stage persona, and I don't know why he doesn't do this more. I just don't. He's terrific. And this was uh, originally aired on television, and you got to see it. This is from the good people at Shout Factory. We love Shout Factory. And, um, uh, you know, this this is terrific. I would own this and rent Red State, to be honest. Uh, the third uh, Kevin Smith DVD this week is uh, Smod Emations. Now, Kevin Smith, as you know, has a podcast, very popular. It's uh, available on iTunes. 
Uh, it's called the Smodcast. Yeah, and actually, actually on Red on Red State, there are the Red State of the Union Smodcasts. Those are included in the extras here too. That's just great. Uh, he also has this uh, quote unquote cartoon show called Smodimations. And uh, season one has a bunch of these short form Smodimations where he kind of, you know, the uh, the animation is not bad, but it's it's unsophisticated enough that he can kind of crank out stuff quickly and make it kind of topical, not South Park topical, but still he has this thing called Av- Avatarded, Delivered Me From Pizza. Some of them are kind of funny. The Again, the animation is not great. Um, but I'd almost rather watch this than any of his movies. I agree. I, you know, I agree completely. The, so oddly enough, the movie this week is less interesting than the animations or the uh, the stage show. Yeah, I mean the How audio is not. Very, I mean, look, the, the audio is not very good on this thing. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, audio pops and distortions and whatnot. It's not a it's not an audio tour de force. It's not an animation tour de force. You're yeah. really just there just to get your little fill of Kevin Smith style humor. Yeah, that's great. Exactly. We love it. All right, oh, Mark. I know, right? Paradise. I know. If we are now going to talk about some of the big, big, big releases guys. this week. You just have to watch the Blu-ray and we're of gonna start Willy Wonka with... and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, jeez. Everyone, Mark uh, is regressing before my eyes. Yummy and delicious. Isn't it funny what a, what a crucial part of our childhood this was? It really is. It, I know. It, it, is, it is amazing. I just, just... Well, you know what? When I was a kid, I loved Gene Wilder. Everyone loved Gene Wilder when and we were kids. And I love this film. I love the music. I, I, I agree. Great. It's fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. And this is a great, This great, is. I will have you know, folks, here's how much I love this set. Uh-huh. I bought it myself. Yeah. I spent money. I whipped out the old Walter Rooney. Bought, I bought myself the 40th anniversary Blu-ray edition pack. Blu-ray and DVD Ultimate Collector's Edition. Wait, wait. Here's what it comes with. Yeah. yeah. It, it comes, comes with, it, with, 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 the, with the ticket. You get a golden ticket. You get a golden ticket. Exciting. Not, yeah, which doesn't really get you into anything. Yeah, but. Whatever. You get a golden ticket, and you get a you get a, a, a like a little tin thing that has scratch and sniff pencils and scented erasers in it. Actually, and, and then you get a uh, we get a, a hundred forty four page behind the scenes book. The whole the point, director. the yes. whole point of all that stuff is that there's a you you can win a, a trip to Los Angeles, which doesn't really do anything for us. It's no, uh, wait wait wait. Uh, 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 then you get fourteen pieces of Wonka production correspondence, uh, and then you get uh, this cool packaging, uh, and then you get three discs, and it's a Blu-ray, and it's a DVD, and it's bonus features all on its own disc, and, and it's really cool. It is cool. And there's 100,000 of these. It's a limited edition. It's going to take them 20 years to sell all 100,000, I guarantee you. Oh, you got number 913. What'd you get? I bought mine. Yeah. Mine was like number 25,000. Oh, really? No, I think 913 is better. Whatever. It's not like America you have to buy sell it. You got to get it. Awesome. It's, it's great. No, it's great. It comes in a big one of those. The movie big... looks great. By the movie looks great. Oh yeah. Uh, it, I mean, it's such a colorful film and uh, preserves the grain. It's it's beautiful. It's crisp. It's just terrific, and uh, it's wonderful. I mean, all the stuff here is just so you're just going to want to sit down on the rug and get warm and just play with the stuff in the thing and then put it in the DVD player and enjoy the movie and listen to the music and you'll regress just like Mark did. <laughs> Uh, you'll completely regress, and before you know it, you'll be wearing diapers and shaking a rattle and running you around. You know it. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, some really terrific stuff on the extras here. The um, the original documentary, uh, Pure Imagination, the story of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, is great. It's absolutely great. And they even have some sing-along songs in the original 1971 featurette. It's just uh, so much fun. Awesome. Love it. Audio commentary. Trip down memory lane. This is like the the, the Wizard of Oz of our generation. It kind of is. It actually, you know what? I think that that's interesting. It really is. Yeah. And by the way, Mel Stewart, the director, is a uh, guy still around. There, there's uh, even product, some uh, production notes and production correspondence here, too, if you want to get real like wonky, like on the Ben-Hur set. I mean, this is really nice. It's weird. When you, when you, look, at, when you look at the movies that Mel Stewart directed... He directed a few dozen movies. I know he did. There is nothing... Nothing like this. Like nothing on this. the order of this. No. Unless you consider... Uh... <laughs> what? Uh, to, to Where Eagles Dare. Uh, <laughs> he did... He Ben-Hur. <laughs> Star Wars. Brenda uh, Starr. TV movie Brenda Starr. Oh, yeah. Ooh, he, he also directed on the Welcome Back Cotter series. Well, good for him. Uh, Willy Wonka's the best. Uh, Mark, uh, we have our number, our number two uh, ultraviolet release this week. This is the second film that Warner Brothers has pumped out onto Ultraviolet. And uh, for the second week in a row, they have chosen a 
marginally interesting film to do this with. Well, it's uh, terrible. I know. Um, just to refresh everybody's mind, Ultraviolet is the new digital copy standard that is going to be rolled out by most of the major studios. Disney is still not on board, and uh, I think there's one other studio that's not on board. Um, but anyway, the idea is they want to turn Ultraviolet into the digital copy standard. And that means that it's not just going to be playable on all devices at all times, unlike other digital copies, which is a different standard across the board. This is going to be playable on, you know, Apples and iPhones and Android machines and your computer and everything. And it is also cloud-based. sits somewhere in a digital locker. So once you buy the movie that we're talking about right now, which is Green Lantern, buy your Blu-ray of Green Lantern, your 3D Blu-ray or your regular Blu-ray. We've got both of them in front of us. And uh, that now entitles you to your digital locker experience of the Green Lantern, which means even without the Blu-ray, without the DVD, so wherever you go, you can do your little ultraviolet uh, experience and, and view it off of the cloud on well, whatever but, but device you want. You, but why do you need this particular way to get to the cloud? Can I, I just don't know. can I just upload the Blu-ray to the cloud? I don't know. I don't know. By the way, this, I don't, this it's, it's movie like look, they sucks. they once again sent us their little purple ultraviolet digital copy reviewer's guide which includes, you know, four bullet points on what is ultraviolet and then three points on how to enjoy your Warner Brothers ultraviolet digital copy and number 3 includes A B C D and E. It's it's just too complicated. I'm sorry, it's just too complicated. Oh, I, I don't. I don't wait. know why they. I don't know. This movie sucks. Um, well, we have know, the Blu-ray DVD combo and the 3D Blu-ray and DVD combo, and, which comes with a lenticular to try and reinforce the fact that it's 3D. I have to say, whether in 3D or not in 3D, and we saw this movie projected in 3D, and it gave me a headache then. And uh, even not in 3D, it doesn't improve. You know, I, actually, I was it's at this uh, in a total coincidence. I was at this. Um, uh, a Better Life reception a couple hours ago at the Four Seasons, and I had a conversation with a woman about Ryan Reynolds. And uh, my feelings on Ryan Reynolds, I've said on the show before, I think yeah. the guy's like a smarm factory with like not one ounce of sincerity in his entire being. See Fireflies in the Garden. I know it's four years old, uh, but you know what? He's he's really good in it. Is that right? He's really good in it. Is, is, is he actually like an actor? He's, an, he's actually an actor. He wow. really is. He's really good in it. But unfortunately, that movie was you know bungled by Senator who went bankrupt, and then it took him four years to put enough of a release together to get it out finally into theaters, which everyone's going to know because it's got Hayden Panettiere looking prepubescent in it and she's you know got curves now so it's like okay now that was the one that was directed by uh, Julia Roberts's husband right her husband isn't that was isn't that that one no 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 incorrect uh no this guy is I uh, something Lee I oh Dennis Lee Dennis Lee yeah and this was his first film and he's only he, he won a student academy award and uh then got this film Fireflies in the Garden, and then it got shelved, and uh, now he's finally doing another feature four years later, which is an adaptation of his uh, Student Academy Award-winning short film. But anyway, speaking of Green Lantern, um, you know what? I was a big fan of the comic book character Green Lantern, and uh, the movie not so much. It uh, go, It's just way too CGI'd out with the whole Green Lantern core and all kinds of space creatures all wearing Green Lantern outfits and... You know, then there's the the, the, the the giant, bizarre, ancient, evil demon creature that's like some kind of cloud that's going to consume Earth, and I don't really understand any of it anyway. It's just all so bad. The whole thing is just so overwrought, and uh, I think the problem for me with the DC stuff, even though I prefer DC Comics generally as a comic fan, the reason that it's not working for Warner Brothers is because they don't have anyone godfathering the whole thing. You know, if Chris Nolan were godfathering all DC adaptations, I think we might be we might have fewer problems. But they're, they're, everyone has a different style, a different sensibility. It doesn't really work. Well, also Warner Brothers has said that they want, and they, they they've said this, that they want all their superhero films to be dark and edgy. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Now. This isn't dark and edgy. That's it, the one thing. This is not. It's murky. It's it. No, it's just it's it's trite. Yeah, it's trite. It, it is. It is. You know what? It, it looks like a whole lot. It, it, you know what? It, it just—it's a typical story about a big cloud is going to destroy the world. Which here we comes, had. What are they here, like? Twenty Star Trek episodes about that. Here like comes the, Green Lantern. Yeah. And it's, it's the worst. All right. Well, it looks good though. Few extras. I mean, look, it look, it, the reason it looks good because half the movie is CGI. Yeah. 
Uh, you get a Justice League number one digital comic, not so impressive. Uh, you know, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, picture-in-picture commentary, tons of featurettes and galleries and storyboards, none of which is all that interesting. And the universe according to Green Lantern, not that interesting. Uh, and the, the the Blu-ray, look, looks terrific. The green pops, as you would expect in a movie called Green Lantern. Uh, 3D, not so impressive. Uh, I, I, I am one of those, I'm telling you, I've seen enough of the 3Ds on uh, 3D televisions, and it's just not ready for prime time. Just is not, not ready. You love it. 3D, not working on the TV, not you, working. You love not it. Not worth it. Be honest. And uh, now that we've completely ripped up uh, 3D, we're going to talk about another movie that's out this week. Another big 3D whiz-banger that they sent us on Blu-ray DVD combo and a Blu-ray 3D DVD digital copy combo. And that is the inexplicably massively successful, Mark? Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. Yeah. A sequel that nobody asked for and nobody particularly liked, even though everybody acknowledges it was better than the third one. But yeah, still, so so is like a, I don't know why. you know so is a so is a pile of poo in the alley. Beautiful word. That's I mean, the third film was just wretched. But this is better than the third film. But that's like at that point, if that's the best, if if, if that's the biggest praise you can give it, yeah, it's, it's just a t- it's just a tired franchise at this point. I I just think people. But again, this is di- Disney is looking at this. At, it's a spreadsheet movie. I know. Let's pay everybody their rate and throw two hundred and fifty million dollars at it. Because you know it's going to make a billion dollars, and we'll all make our money back, and it's just a big piece of junky product that we can sell, we can shove down the throats of everybody, yeah. and it'll make its money back. It's just not good. It's just not good. I mean, you know, Jeffrey, and, Jeffrey Rush and Johnny Depp are always engaging in these parts, but they're just going through the motions. Penelope Cruz is kind of wasted. The whole mermaid plot is, you know, let's, let's just think of the one thing we haven't been able to ram into the previous three films. I don't mermaids. I like that mermaid. There we actually, go, mermaids. I, I thought that little mermaid fight, whatever that was. That was actually like the best part of the movie. That's kind of edgy. Yeah, I because guess. because you don't really think of mermaids as being you know malevolent. Yeah, fine. And now, of course, there's um, there's talk of shooting di- uh, pirates five and six at the same time. Oh, jeez, stop, please, no more. Just find something else to do. Uh, well, look, audio commentary with Rob Marshall, who directed it, and uh, producer John DeLuca. Um, it, so-so, it's fine. You know, I, it, not much to talk about with this movie. Uh, and then, you know, extended scenes and featurettes and yada, 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 all the usual stuff, which I'm getting kind of tired of. I, I, if the movie were interesting, I guess maybe I'd be in more interesting in what actually goes into it, but whatever. Whatever, man. Whatever, it's, you know, still not impressive 3D. And uh, Blu-ray, it's fine. Great transfer. That's Fabulous. good-looking Blu-ray. Yeah. And you know what? And the audio is great. The one thing with Blu-ray is that you will never beat the lossless audio. No, that's Especially true. for a big blockbuster like this. True. Very, very true. Now, wait. Now, later on, we have um, audio questions. Yes, we do. Audio questions. In just a few minutes, we're going to get around to it. Uh, you know, yeah, I'll I'll uh, I'll pull this next one. Guns of Navarone on Blu-ray, yay! Finally, old movies. We love it when old movies make it to Blu-ray. Uh, there nothing particularly interesting by way of uh, special features here. There's uh, some commentaries on here and some documentary stuff, which were on the previous DVD release. So don't expect anything new. The uh, Jaylee Thompson comments are pretty great. Uh, a bunch of featurettes, uh, and then a, yeah, there's actually a new thing that's exclusive to the Blu-ray, which is called the Resistance Dossier of Navarone, which is not that great. It's a little kind of a, a, some interactive bells and whistles, uh, nothing that spectacular. But um, as a Blu-ray, i got to say, it's really, really good. Uh, Sony yanked one out of the library for this one, and they gave it a really solid treatment. Um, the grain is, is still there, thank goodness, and uh, the, the transfer is faithful to what the elements look like. Um, so I think you'll have a good time. It's a good film. Gregory Peck is terrific. Uh, you know, David Niven is terrific. Anthony Quinn, uh, always memorable in these movies. I love this movie. Much better than uh, Force 10 from Navarone with Harrison Ford, which was the quasi-sequel many, many years later. Absolutely. Force Young 10 Harrison from Navarone, Ford. not good. Uh, better than uh, Force 10, but not as good as uh, Guns Of, is The Crow, which is finally on Blu-ray. This is uh, the film where uh, Brandon Lee died about a week before principal photography was complete. They're remaking this, too. And they're remaking it because uh, it should be remade. I think every film should be remade. 
In fact, stop making original films. Just remake everything. Start with start with like just start with number st- one. Start, like, with, start with Birth of a Nation. D- no, no, no. Everything. Let's start with Keystone Cops yeah. all over again. Uh-huh. Let, in fact, let's start with the uh, train arriving at La Ciota. The uh, the, uh, <laughs> the uh, Lumiere film. The Lumiere film. Yeah, yeah just which let's, is just like a train pulls into the state for thirty seconds. Let, let's let's do a big two hundred million dollar CGI recreation of that uh, forty five second film. <laughs> let's do that. That'll it's be great. Best. We'll start all over. Film history all over again. Well, because uh, Brandon Lee died uh, during production, the film is winds up being a little disjointed looking. However, uh, I think Alex Price, the director, is... Um, although, this was his big debut. Yeah, although he hasn't really developed as well as I was hoping he would. He was, his style was emerging, and it would eventually take total... It would just totally take flight in Dark City, which I loved. Yep. But then he wound up with iRobot and that thing with the yeah the, I know Richard yeah. Gear thing whatever yeah. that was I don't forgot yeah, yeah it did yeah uh, so Preuss is not really developing as well as I wanted him to but uh, The Crow is still an interesting uh, film a good start for him and uh, unfortunately a uh, eulogy in a sense for Brandon Lee bummer bummer dude but it's bummer. good look, by the way for an old film I have to say The Crow old film yeah Blu-ray good looking uh, Bad Teacher is also on Blu-ray. Gosh, it's just Blu-ray bonanza, Blu-ray palooza today. Uh, Bad Teacher recently uh, released uh, as kind of an attempt to do the Bad Santa thing on a female level. Cameron Diaz being the Bad Teacher, Jason Segel being the uh, the guy who is the uh, the who ogles her and goggles and oogles her, and Justin Timberlake shows up just for the hell of it. Uh, this has uh, both unrated and theatrical versions in it. And neither is all that great. They come. They're almost pretty much the same. Uh, deleted scenes and outtakes and uh, featurettes, the usual spiel, the usual junk that you get right off of an EPK. And, uh, you know, I, honestly, the extra raunchy stuff I don't think is all that raunchy, but uh, good transfer, not great. Uh, Cameron Diaz is very entertaining, even if the movie is crappy. And uh, I like Justin Timberlake. So, I mean, I like the people in it. I just don't think the movie's that great. You know what I'm saying? Hi, Wade. You okay? You look a little bleary-eyed. I'm yawning. I just came back from two parties. And by the way, the uh, the first party I went to yeah. was for uh, the uh, Blu-ray release of A Better Life. Yes. Which I'm now holding in my hand because oh, there it we comes go. out. Yeah. It's out this week. Now, I go to this Blu-ray release party. They didn't give me a Blu-ray when I left. They forgot. That's cheesy. I said, thanks, guys. See you later. And they said, oh, bye, Mark. And they didn't give me a Blu-ray. You didn't ask them for one? I forgot. How do you how do you go to a Blu-ray release party and forget to ask for the one thing that you should be walking away with? No, I want food. Yeah. The, no, the one thing I should, I should be walking away with is indigestion. Okay. And a full stomach. That's what I want okay. to walk with. However, right. I have to say yeah. that A Better Life, which is directed by Chris Weitz, who did uh, The Terrific About a Boy, yeah. uh, is kind of a good movie, actually. it's it's You know what? I can best uh, describe it as a uh, illegal immigrant bicycle thief. Oh, there we go. That's kind of, you, well, that's, that was the, that's what I gathered. You get, a, you get the, the father and the son, and they're living basically at poverty level in Los Angeles. And, uh, you know, the father gets a, gets a shot at some success in his life uh, because he, gets the, he buys his truck with all this, these gardening tools in it. Yeah. And the day after he buys the truck, the truck gets stolen, and he goes looking for the truck. So that's it's a little literally bit like the bicycle like thing. Yeah, wow. but obviously Chris Weitz knows that. Okay. And uh, but you know what? It's an interesting film. The relationship between uh, the father and the son, good stuff. Uh, the son is tempted by gangs, and that's good stuff. And uh, there's also a decent, you know, love story in it. And uh, I thought this film was pretty good, actually. I, I was surprised. And you know what? Chris White is a good director. And the fact that he would go from New Moon, yeah, you know, to the this. big Twilight thing, to this, it shows that he's. He's got some chops. Yeah, he, he he's interested in telling stories. Well, I and, and you know I met both White's brothers actually. I uh, uh, did a, an event some few years ago at the Skirball with them, and I was there. You were. That's right. You were there. They, they're terrific guys. They really are. I mean, I like them both a lot. It, you know what it was? I remember it was Chris White's was presenting a film that influenced him. Yes. And I can't remember what film he was presenting that I, influenced him. And I'm totally embarrassed to say I can't remember it either. But you know, I hosted a lot of those things back in the day. Uh, you know what a terrific film is? This is from Kino, Blu-ray and DVD, The Robber. Uh, the Robber is really, really an amazing true story. We've had a lot of these true-life uh, gangster and mobster stories lately, like Mayreen and uh, Carlos and whatnot. And uh, this is the true story of one of the most famous uh, criminals in the history of Austria. 
and uh, really fascinating. It's a German language film, and uh, it's it just it's so intriguing. This this guy's bizarre life trajectory because he was also, in addition to being a bank robber, he's a, a like a, a a track athlete, and uh, it just it's such a such a weird, fascinating character and career trajectory, and uh, really a very very well done film. Uh, in every conceivable respect, so uh, definitely check this out. Not there are like no extras on this thing at all. But uh, the robber from Kino is uh, really, really worth seeing. So uh, you know, you want to take a step away from all the Hollywood junk and see something that's well written and well directed and uh, has some absolutely fabulous set pieces in it. I mean, that Hollywood could learn a lot from. Super well directed. Uh, definitely give this a look. Really good film. Really good film. And uh, let's see. Also on DVD and Blu-ray, not a very good film, is Monte Carlo. Which, by the way, Monte Carlo, shot in Budapest. Budapest doubling for Monte Carlo. I don't know. I just don't know why they why they even bothered. Um, well, because it stars uh, all these, Selena uh, Gomez. Selena Gomez, Leighton, Leighton Meester, and somebody yeah, else. Yeah, Katie Cassidy. Uh, you know, Selena Gomez is the only one I know because she's, she's been dating that... that, that that woman that calls himself a boy, what's his name? That Canadian girl, Bieber. Yeah, Justin Bieber. Yeah, her. I know that. Her. Uh, yeah, this thing's just stupid. Uh, I guess there's some kind of Cinderella complex that young girls get when it comes around to films like this, and they they just they, they got to see all of their little Disney Channel uh, debutantes and uh, whatnot. But I just oh, uh, you know what? If you're a 12 year old girl, it's uh, yeah, whatever, doing. fine. Uh, yeah, not good. This movie, I just it it well, came and went. It's like a, girl. you know what? Uh, it doesn't matter. I wouldn't if I had a twelve year old daughter. She'd be forbidden from seeing this. That's it. Just that's ban. not true. It is true. Absolutely. Uh, what's uh, what is also true is that uh, Cape Fear, the Scorsese film, is uh, really good. It is uh, smart and stylish. Yeah, I'm not such and, a fan. Really? No. Oh, come on. Dude. I like the original. I think De Niro is just out of control oh, over the top on. in this. The way he's laughing in the theater with the cigars, oh, the best. This is brutal. This movie's brutal. I mean, seriously, that, the, 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 uh, without giving anything away, the scene in the film when... Um, when, he, when he bites uh, Ileana Douglas's no, back and takes a chomp out of her shoulder blade. No, when... when yeah, that uh, was great. When Joe Don Baker is sitting in the chair, right, yeah. and De Niro is about to shoot him, it's like the struggle and like that moment when Joe Don Baker knows that his character is about to die yeah. and there's nothing he can do. He knows, he's, he knows he's overpowered. He has about three seconds left to live and he just like just screams because he knows he's about to die and then he dies. Woohoo. Good stuff, man. Cape Fear. Uh, does it look good on Blu-ray? Sure. It looks the best it's ever looked, but it's definitely not a you know, reference uh, quality you know, transfer. There are some bonus features. They d- definitely didn't just crap this out. There's uh, a making of, deleted scenes, all the stuff, of course, from previous versions of the DVD. Uh, by the way, Cape Fear, if you didn't know, you should read this on the hmm. box, uh, the, the Blu-ray, from the director of The Departed. Yeah, it's, it's sad, isn't it? Kind of. We've gotten to that point. Whatever. Wait, I'm not talking about Mystery Science Theater anymore. It's like every week they're coming I'm up not, with stuff now. I'm not talking about it. It's crazy. I'm not. The Atomic Brain, The Touch of Satan... Uh, there's plenty more of these out there. Please stop putting them out. <laughs> Seriously, I'm done. It's over. I, it was, you know what? It was, it was a beggar's banquet for years, and now I'm done. Oh, my Or you gosh. know what? Just put season sets out on Blu-ray. The Atomic Brain actually is a fun movie, but... Put season sets out on Blu-ray. Enough that, you know, Mystery Science was on for like, you know, 13 years or something. And I know. trickling them out one at a time on DVD... We got some, uh, uh, real quickly, some uh, MOD, Manufacturer On Demand, releases from uh, 20th and MGM. These are all from the MGM library. And uh, remember, they, this is, these are DVD-Rs, not regular DVD pressings. So it's slightly lesser quality. It's Manufacturer On Demand. You, they, they punch them out as you get them. Uh, one of them is Top Banana, which is a, a pretty decent uh, Phil Silver's vehicle. Uh, it, it's, you know, he plays a TV comic. And uh, this was originally a Broadway play, and uh, you know what? It's just a vehicle for him to do his thing. The only thing that makes this, I think, better than it should be is uh, some really terrific Johnny Mercer music. Really, really good. Good Johnny Mercer music. Uh, Then there's also The White Bus, 
which I had never seen previously, and uh, it's, it's all right. This was directed by Lindsay Anderson, of course, who did If, which was recently out from Criterion, one of the great uh, angry young men directors from that uh, kitchen sink realism English new wave period of the 50s. And uh, not Lindsay Anderson's best moment, but it's, uh, it's a decent film about this uh, you know young girl with a horrible, horrible life and... Uh, Kind of, you know, it sort of uses her as a uh, as a vehicle through which to look at London society of the day. Uh, it's kind of, you know, like a like a precursor to a lot of those films, and uh, decently done. Not great, only if you're a student of the era. The film you gotta get. This is the MOD star from this uh, this set of releases. The Music Lovers. I don't know why this is an MOD release. It should be a big freaking deal. Uh, this is the Ken Russell film, one of a handful of decent Ken Russell films that he ever made, 1971. Um, really terrific. If you don't know it, you got to see it. This is a period when Ken Russell was making a lot of movies about, uh, about uh, composers, like Listomania and Mahler, and he was sort of obsessed with famous composers. And this is all about uh, Tchaikovsky. And it homosexuality. It, yeah, it's it. You know, uh, Richard Chamberlain plays Tchaikovsky, Glenda Jackson uh, as his his would be wife, and uh, it's just absolutely terrific, fascinating, beautifully done. One of the great British films of that time, uh, and you know, unbelievably great uh, music work by Andre Previn, who you know conducted this amazing performances of great Tchaikovsky music. It's really, really good. Ken Russell's The Music Lovers. If you're going to get an M- anything on MOD like this year. I gotta say, this is the best one. It's certainly the should most, have been a better should have been a better release. It's certainly the most historically important. Absolutely, it resurrects a long lost film from a great director. And we're gonna listen to some uh, audio listener mail now. Let's do it. Hey guys, uh, my question has to do with the holy grail in terms of quality. TV shows that are not yet on DVD, and that is, of course, The Wonder Years. Um, Everybody knows that, uh, as the story goes, the only reason it's not on DVD is because every episode had 10 classic songs, and to get the rights to those songs would be expensive and prohibitive, they say. And, of course, no one wants a released DVD set with canned music, uh, a la Northern Exposure. Um, Still, it's frustrating, especially in light of the fact of Amazon's recent announcement about the Kindle Fire, which uh, will apparently have exclusive rights to uh, streams of the entire Wonder Years series. Now, for someone like me who's been waiting for years for this show to finally come out on DVD, to be told now that I, uh, an iPad owner, would have to shell out another $200 just to watch The Wonder Years is nuts. I mean, I'm not that crazy, but I'm still tempted. My question is, what do you guys make of the perpetually delayed release of The Wonder Years on DVD? And do you think, and maybe you can do some digging on this, that the uh, streamed episodes will actually contain the original music? Thanks, guys. Excellent question from uh, Guy Canneville. Or Guy Queneville, I prefer to use his correct Canadian pronunciation because, you know, he's up there in the Great White North. Uh, in uh, Northwest Territories, actually. That's like way up there, isn't it? Uh, you know what? I, the, the, the Wonder Years, no. I don't think you're going to get the, uh, the, the streaming issue is not going to resolve the music issue. I think streaming, it's, it's the same problem. It's, it, the rights are the rights, and whether it's DVD or streaming, it's not going to change. Um, they still have to sort that out. I, who knows when that will show up? I mean, I'm still waiting for China Beach, for crying out loud, for the same reason. You know, China Beach is, has all, is, is being stifled by all those music rights issues as well there are and there are maybe three or four other shows that are also in limbo obviously the wonder years is the most famous um but i I, who knows when that's going to resolve i mean it could it it literally could resolve within the month it could take another five years those things just sometimes it's a it's a game of chicken between the various parties totally yeah Quite a comprehensive answer, Wade. Well, thank you. I have nothing to add to that. I, I, I just wish I had a better answer, but it is, it is what it is. I mean, I, uh, you know. And, and you, no, should, you should do it the way Glee does it. Glee will take songs. Yeah. They don't, they don't need rights to the actual recording. Well, they're, they're, it's worth pointing this out, not to get too, too much into it. But whenever you use a song in a film, you, there, there are two different licenses. There's the license to the song itself, and there's the license to the actual original recording. 
And it's cheaper to do just the license to the song because then you can have somebody do a, a cover of it or you can have them perform it on the show. And you don't have to pay the second license, which is the license to the actual original recording. So uh, that's part of the problem here is that a lot of these songs, they actually use the recording. And, and those original artists who performed the, the song in its original incarnation, they want that license to be honored and they want a pile of money for it. Whereas Glee, they just they buy just, the rights to the to the sheet music. Let's that's say it, exactly, they so buy the one they, license. So they get a bunch of teenagers to sing this, and then they can make money yep. off of their versions of the song. Yeah, so without they, having to pay Journey or Queen or whoever. So Guy, that was a great question, and we've given you an absolutely horrible answer. But you know what? That's what I'm, we do. It's what we do. <laughs> and and uh, and no, and hopefully it, it, it generates some awareness out there so that people can uh, write their congresspersons or whoever, and you know, put <laughs> a little put a little put a little pressure on the on the, on to get get it out there. I you mean, know all those all those Occupy Wall Street people. That's what they should. That's be That's what at. they should be doing. Yeah. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Occu- so. Occupy uh, Wonder Years. <laughs> the, the hash mark Occupy Wonder Years. Get it going, people. And our second one tonight is uh, from Kevin Lower, also up in Canada. Uh, and uh, Kevin, uh, well, here we go. Good morning, Mark and Wade. My name's Kevin. I'm a listener of yours up in Toronto, Canada. Hopefully the quality isn't too bad. Just like the very first audio question you received, I'm actually in the car right now on my way to work. I'm using a, a headset, so hopefully you can still hear me fine. And, you know, I've got a one-hour commute, so listening to a one-hour podcast actually fits great in my drive. So my question is, is this whole, what are we going to do with the physical media of DVDs? You know, we're in this transitionary period. We're going from DVD to Blu-ray to streaming, you know, any other kind of next-gen, next-generation media. But as with any old technology, eventually DVD will become obsolete. So... What's going to happen to all those discs, all the cases that they come with? Is it all just going to get put in the landfill, or is there going to be this movement towards recycling discs? You know, a lot of people, you know, you can get shredders to shred their DVDs, and that's more for personal information, but all that stuff still goes in the garbage, basically. Now, obviously, this isn't as big a thing as, with, as say, VHS to DVD. You know, people are still holding on to their DVDs. They can play them in the car. They get the digital copy with it. They can play it on their computer. People still have DVD players. You can play them on your Blu-ray player, upconvert them. But eventually it will become old technology. People will get rid of them. So basically, you know, should manufacturers, suppliers, distributors, should they play a larger role in, say, recycling? Or will this kind of plastic be something that is recyclable in the future, just as a, in the general, you know, recycle at home with all the other recyclables, or is it just going to end up in the landfill? And it's sort of something we should be asking ourselves now that we're, like I said, we're, we're in this period of going from DVD to Blu-ray to, to streaming to, to anything else like that. So I just thought it was something that we should uh, maybe start thinking about. Anyways, um, you know, love the podcast, and uh, thanks for taking my question. Gosh, leave it to uh, leave it to a Canadian to be worrying about landfills and recycling and all those environmental things. I mean, this is movies, man. Come eh? on, who cares about landfills? You know, pollute the world for the sake of movies. Pollution is good. No, it's a uh, it's actually a really good question because I don't think any of us have thought about it because the you know it once upon a time. In our parents' generations, when you made stuff, you made stuff, and it, you, it lasted a whole lifetime, and you got your washing machine repaired, and you got your refrigerator repaired, and this stuff wasn't disposable. And now, it, people, nobody gets anything repaired. It breaks, and you get rid of it, and you get a new one. And so suddenly, the landfills are being just overbloated with uh, appliances and computer screens and and, well, and all this junk. It's and planned obsolescence. It's planned obsolescence, and it's true. You know, uh, once. The the uh, three and a half inch disc goes away. I mean, CDs are already practically obsolete. DVDs are obsolete. Blu-ray is kind of holding the the whole thing together. As long as you have Blu-ray, you're going to have backwards compatibility where you're going to be able to play all of that previous media. But once we move away from the disc, uh, those are millions and millions and millions of discs that at some future point in 30 or 40 years are going to wind up just blowing landfills out the top. 
that's I mean, all we have yeah. to dispose of our garbage, our landfills. That's all we have. Well, I mean, we can someday, shoot them into space. Well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Someday, when we figure out a way to shoot them into space without fear that the garbage shuttle explodes yeah. in orbit and, and rain garbage all over, you know. Yeah. The thing is, is that, like, you have to realize, it was like when that satellite crashed to Earth a couple weeks ago. Yes. You know, two-thirds of the Earth is water. So there's pretty much a 75% chance, let's say, or a 66% chance that whatever's falling out of the sky yeah. will fall in the ocean because two-thirds of the, o- of the Earth is covered I, in water. I, so I like those odds. So I say load up the space shuttle. You know what? The space shuttles are decommissioned. They got, the space shuttles are decommissioned. They got no more purpose. I say for one last goodbye flight, yeah. just load them up with as much garbage as you can. Make them unmanned. And just fly them right into the and sun. And shoot them into space, and they'll, they'll just go forever. Just shoot them into the sun. Let it burn up. That's fine. Yeah, I'm good it's with that. It's all good. sun will just vomit. It'll go, this is disgusting. Yeah, I, 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 it's, it's something we should be concerned with. Um, obviously, we're not. Uh, if you, you know, look, I've got enough DVDs on my shelf to fill a landfill all by my lonely. So it, it's, uh, eventually, we're all going to want to free up that space and use it for you know, something useful. But for the time being, I, you know, it, it, packaged media is here for quite a while yet. Blu-ray has actually... 10, 15 years? Well, more than that. Blu-ray is already experiencing an uptick. There is, no, there is no quality equivalent to Blu-ray on the horizon. Not in streaming, not in anything. I mean, Blu-ray is it. Now, next year, Sharp allegedly is going to come out with a, uh, a 4K resolution television. You heard about this? I have not. It's extraordinary. For there, now, it's probably going to be like $35,000, but still, eventually, you're going to wind up with 4K resolution at home, and then somebody's going to say, well, we've we got to give you full resolution, uncompressed you know, theatrical quality movies and, and lossless audio for home. So, well, see, that's, see some, some studios have been forward-thinking enough to capture their legacy films in 4K. You think, but I, and I could tell you some stories that I'm not at liberty to relate, but they are not, a lot of studios are not as uh, reverential of their library titles as you might think. They've been cutting corners. Well, they're at least... 2K, if not 3K. Yes, they are, but there are some that should be done 8K, and they just aren't spending the money to do it. Uh, because they don't. Because the thing is that they know they know you can't stream an 8K movie. True, but you can so, re-release, so you like, can re-release it. And for archival purposes, it just it, it you got to protect the library. They're not they're not protecting their library. So that's all I can say about that. Well, here's the thing. First of all, thank you for the uh, audio questions. Yes, keep them coming at gods yep. at digigods.com. Absolutely. Keep them coming. Uh, we got a few foreign films we're going to uh, bl- blow through real quickly. Uh, from the Eclipse line, the uh, Criterion Eclipse line, uh, long overdue. Aki Karazmaki's Leningrad Cowboys. Cannot tell you how happy I am that this is out. Aki Karazmaki, obviously one of the uh, two Karazmaki brothers uh, from Finland. Uh, and they, they're really the only famous Finnish filmmakers of note. And um, these are all three of his movies celebrating the and featuring the fantastic uh, band Leningrad Cowboys. It's Leningrad Cowboys Go America, Leningrad Cowboys Meet Moses, and the fantastic Total Balalaika show with uh, five music videos. Um, I was fortunate enough to see the Leningrad Cowboys perform many times live at the uh, 1994 Cannes Film Festival, and what a blast it was, especially one uh, moment when they just showed up in the middle of Rue d'Antibes, Mark, the middle of Rue d'Antibes at, yeah. mid- at midnight, right in front of the Petit Carlton, and they just put on an impromptu concert right there in the middle of the freaking street. Love it. It was awesome. So this may be one of the best uh, Eclipse releases yet. Seriously, all of this on one set, you're going to love it. I mean, you're going to love it. I'm even going to go out. I'm even going to play some Leningrad Cowboys on the show as we go out. If For people who've never heard the Leningrad Cowboys, they don't know what they're missing. These guys are amazing. And then uh, from Raro Vision, uh, the Federico, Federico Fellini film Clowns is out on Blu-ray. And this has previously been out on DVD. It's, uh, it's pretty wacky, pretty bizarre. Definitely a very, very eccentric film. Uh, it's an unusual Fellini film. I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but suffice to say that it was, uh, you know, it was it was a bit of a fringe Fellini film already in its day. It comes with a 50-page booklet on uh, Fellini's obsessions with clowns. Anyway, that's on Blu-ray. Uh, we also have a middling film called Baria, which is from uh, Cinema Paradiso director Giuseppe Tornatore. This was not released theatrically. Uh, it's a little bit sentimental, nicely done. Um, 
but you know, it it's it, it probably should have. I mean, it should have probably gotten a theatrical release, but it didn't because we have no more distributors for these kinds of films. But uh, you know, if you like Chino Paradiso, it, it it's got some of the same feelings in it, but uh, certainly not among his best films of all time. It's got a decent audio commentary and uh, a few other little uh, little extras. That's on Blu-ray. We have a, a great Criterion release of Kaneto Shindo's Kuroneko. Uh, this is on Blu-ray, and uh, if you've never seen this, it's one of the Japanese New Wave films from 1968. Fantastic black-and-white photography. Uh, a handful of uh, decent extras on here, nothing really deep, but uh, there is a video interview with the director from the Directors Guild of Japan, which is very, very interesting. This is uh, one of those Japanese uh, kind of ghost movies. takes place in, uh, in feudal Japan. Very, very cool. Uh, makes for a nice double feature with... Uh, with uh, Star Wars? Uh, no. Well, Star Wars? actually, you know what? No, it makes for a good double feature, actually, with anything. But I was going to say makes for a... You know, forget it. Star Wars? Uh, no, you, you completely got me off track. Uh, no, I'm not going to mention that one. Star Wars? Uh, you know what? Uh, and then on the foreign film front, we're going to go out with this one. Uh, Solo. Uh, the Pierre Paolo Pasolini film, which uh, has been out of print on Criterion forever, and they finally got it back and put it out on Blu-ray with the explicit content warning that it deserves because this is one of the most vile films you will ever see in your life. This is absolutely horrendous and disgusting and sadistic and uh, just sick and depraved. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of the most hated films of all time. It's also extremely well made. The whole thing basically uh, is, is kind of a well. It was originally based on a Marquis de Sade written work, and I don't even want to call it like a novel or anything. And uh, he kind of used it to comment on uh, Mussolini's Italy. So it takes place in 1944, and it really is just about the degradation of children by fascists. And it's horrible. It's just it'll disturb you for weeks. And I'm I'm actually sorry I ever saw it. But uh, a lot, you know, for people who can tolerate it, a lot of good stuff here. Uh, Fade to Black, which is the short documentary uh, featuring uh, a bunch of other, you know, like the previously mentioned Catherine Brea and Bernardo Bertolucci from the uh, film The Directors. Great directors. And then there's also a half-hour documentary on the film itself and uh, a longer documentary called The End of Solo, which is uh, more about the film kind of behind the scenes. So, I mean, not, I can't recommend it, uh, but it's a good-looking Blu-ray, and, you know, if you feel like you have to be a Criterion completist, by all means. Uh, all right. Uh, yes, Mark, we're, we're at the end of the show. We're going to have to put television off till next week. What? Bionic Woman and, and V? I know. Can you believe that? Week? Can you believe that? Uh, you know what? One last little film here that we should probably make mention of is uh, Lucky, which stars Colin Hanks, Tom Hanks' son. Comedy about... Uh, well, a serial killer uh, and a lottery winner uh, who happens to be a serial killer. Uh, Colin Hanks is very good in this. It's the kind of thing that his dad might have done if in a previous era when he might have had more guts, directed by Gil Cates Jr., and uh, who, of course, is the son of Gil Cates and the uh, brother of Phoebe Cates. You know what? This film is a little bit too edgy uh, to have really flown, but it's worth checking out. So if you have a chance, at least give a rental to to Lucky. Uh, some really freaky performances here. Colin Hanks and then Anne Margaret and Jeffrey Tambor and a lot of other great supporting parts. So give uh, give Lucky a glance. And then uh, that should do it. Mark, any, any final uh, words of wisdom for the good listeners out there? Before we, before we go into uh, Leningrad Cowboys. I want to buy that Batman Arkham City uh, PS3 game. Oh. Everyone loves it. This is like being Batman. You walk around. It's, it's like an open world, like Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. And you walk around this open world like Batman. It's I supposed want. to be amazing. That's awesome. This you has know, nothing to do with DVDs. I'm just saying. You know, I, when, I was on, uh, when I was seeing Anonymous on the uh, Sony lot today, they were shooting Batman in the adjacent soundstage. You know, did you hear that the Nolan might be uh, using some crowd shots from uh, I did. Wall Street? I did. Occupy Wall Street? Well, you know... Uh, hey, you know what? Money can't buy that. There you go. Smart director. All we need is music. Sweet music. Helping music
Music swinging and I'm dancing in the street. Philadelphia. 